Welcome to the first episode of the Pickleball Gurus Podcast. I'm Randy and I'm here with Prane Carnot, the original traveling pickleball coach and author of the best-selling book, Smart Pickleball. Hey Randy, welcome to the Guru Nation and I'm so glad to be in this podcast. This is the first episode, so we're going to begin with how a pickleball game begins, the serve. Prane, tell us why the serve is so important. The serve is so important because you had to get the ball in as much as possible um, into the court. Because uh, as my fellow friend uh, Coach Mo would say, if you don't get the ball into the court, your opponents are not going to miss a heartbeat. So um, definitely get the serve in. Now, you also said that even though the serve is important, you also said the serve is one of the most unimportant shots in the game. It's the least important shot in the game in the sense that it is supposed to be a serve, which once you get it in, um, you are already set for the next shot. Uh, So a, a serve is the least important part as long as you get it in. And I can't recall where, but I heard that you should miss your serve no more than once per month. Do you have a stat for how often you should miss your serve? I don't know about the stat, Randy, but I can tell you one thing. That's one thing you shouldn't be doing is missing serves. Uh, Get all your serves in. Okay. So, Prane, aside from getting your serve in, what is a good serve? And what would you consider a not-so-good or a bad serve? Let me clarify one on the onset, Randy. Uh, There's no good serve or a bad serve. Um, And as far as I'm concerned, and I want to be very clear to all my listeners there, um, an ideal serve is nothing to do with with what I say or anyone would say out there or any expert out there. An ideal serve is one, obviously, you get it in. Um, But most importantly, and I, a good serve is a serve which is which is uh, gives you the best possible time. I I want to clearly di- put a disclaimer out there: there is no right and wrong, and that is not the only way to do it. There are many ways to do it, but ideally is to get the serve in deep to your opponent and in a way which allows you to buy yourself time. And some people like a real power serve. They get really enamored with it. And if you watch a lot of matches on YouTube, you can see that Tyson McGuffin has probably the most powerful serve in pickleball. And a lot of players like to serve with power. What are the advantages and disadvantages of this type of serve? Tyson McGuffin has an amazingly hard serve. And I, you know, I'm awed by the way he serves it. And I, um, Definitely, uh, if you have it naturally in your skill set to serve as hard and fast as Tyson McGuffin, go for it. Um, But the truth of the matter is, most of us out there do not have that type of serve. And uh, most of the time when you hit a serve like that, you normally follow up with a return which comes back faster and organize yourself in a way which you are in front of the ball uh, at midcourt or at the kitchen line. But that is not the case with most of us. We don't hit hard serves. And even if we do hit a hard serve, the next ball is back at our feet and we get stuck. It's not an ideal situation for most of us who want to hit a hard serve and not be ready for the next one. 
at the highest level, people like Tyson, uh, it's actually a very good serve because they normally are quick and fast and are ready for the next ball. Uh, for the rest of us, the mere mortals, uh, I would probably suggest we revert to something which allows us to buy time. And in that particular case, I would not probably uh, ask you to serve always hard, but if you have it natural in your game, why not? Mix it up. And I played with you and against you a lot, and I don't think I've ever seen you have a power serve. Uh, exactly how do you serve, and why do you use that particular serve? I'll have to tell you a little story about this one. A few um, years ago, there was a gentleman who used to serve me these high loopy serves. Coming from a back tennis background, I used to think like I could tee off on those, or basically meaning I would could drive that ball hard back at him. And to my surprise, those serves was always um, going troubling me and it always put me on the back and most of the time my returns were either short or either deep. I mean way out of the out of the court. And uh, I was trying to figure out if it was a taunting a signal or it was basically a, a way of to serve. And obviously I was hitting my hard serves at that time and I never really got much um, you know uh, much variety out of it and it was re easily returned by my opponents. No that, aces. No aces. Unlike in tennis, I could not ace my opponent with my hard serves. So that is when I realized that I had to change something drastically different. And looking at some of the better players out there, I started realizing that they all had decently high serves deep uh, to to the player's back end or some simply deep. And then I started studying the rationale behind it and started actually working on getting a serve which was deep, high, and keeping with no pace, which allowed my opponents to generate all the speed from the return and also backing them off from the baseline, uh, which a hard serve never did. Um, so that was the rationale behind it, and I have continued to have that serve. doesn't mean that I would not, in the, in the mix, drop in a few hard serves, but ideally I generally keep a high deep serve. So now we're going to move on to the dreaded four-letter word in sports, the yips. Crane, what are the yips? Oh, Randy, I mean, you know, you're the expert on all these researchers. I, I don't know what a yips is, at least, <laughs> uh, at least not in the way you um, explain it to me. Um, all I know is that sometimes when you're in a tournament setup or sometimes when you're trying to get ready for a match, and you try to do something, the stroke which you do like eyes closed every time and all of a sudden doesn't work. It actually does the opposite. And whatever you were doing, it does not work. And, and so I'm, I'm told, and hopefully you will uh, be happy to give the, our uh, listeners uh, some more information about the yips, um, uh, but I was told that that's what it's called, the yips, and something which... Um, uh, blocks you mentally and physically in certain ways, which um, puts you in a in a situation which you can't do what you were supposed to be doing or you had been doing uh, literally before that. Right. It's uh, essentially a loss of motor skills uh, because of the tension that you're under. For You get it in golf a lot. 
And a lot of times that easy one foot putt just becomes almost impossible. And it's primarily in golf, but it's in other sports. And for example, in baseball, there's a pitcher. He's, he can throw you know, a strike fine, but if someone hits it back to him, it's impossible for him to throw to first base. It's probably going into the stands or something like that. Um, but in pickleball, and, and certainly personally, if you get the yips in pickleball, it's probably going to be on your serve. Why is that? Generally, because it's the first ever notion, um, uh, Randy, on the serve uh, is the first thing you do in a game. So when you try to serve, oftentimes if you're if you're mentally, you know, tight and your body gets tight, then I guess at that point uh, everything uh, starts from that particular first motion. And if that starts getting awry, then more and more you get frustrated and more and more your serves go out. It's no more in the direction you wanted to go for. And even though you've done it for many years and all of a sudden you find yourself in that dreaded position where you can't get that one. And you recently helped out a 5.0 pro at the U.S. Open. And here's what she had to say with her case of the yips. Uh, this is my first U.S. Open, and I actually got the yips on serving. If you don't know what that is, it's where you just completely biff your serve out of nowhere. Um, so he's the first person I thought to contact. So I found him. I asked him um, what I could do to fix it. Um, he watched me serve, gave me a few tips, and then I was able to make it through the rest of the Open without missing any serves. So I totally owe him for that. So she said that you gave her two tips. What did you tell her to cure her case of the yips? Good question, Randy. So in that particular case, uh, um, I told uh, this player, uh, at the beginning I asked her uh, to sort of breathe in deeply and breathe out deeply through her nose and it relaxed into her so that there was more oxygen coming into her system. Um, she definitely relaxed a lot more since after that, and, but she was still mentally very struggling at that point uh, to get the serve in. And I was looking at her motion while she was serving, and then there was a lot of wobbliness in her grip. Um, now, I don't always recommend things like that, which is pretty awkward, but I did tell her to. she had already had a finger pretty much on the, on the paddle, uh, on the backhand side of the paddle, I said, could you put in another extra paddle? And she looked at me and she said, what? Why would I do that? It's so awkward. I said, would you please try doing it anyhow and see how it works? And uh, so she did. Um, and interestingly, um, she started getting her serves in. And that worked very consistently for a while. And I said, well, now you've got your, your mojo back. Now, you know, go back to reverting to the serve you normally serve. And she had no more problems. So it was just a question of getting herself back into confidence. Now, again, I'm not saying that you have to have that two finger as a, always as an option, but it is one of the strategies to be able to sort of, especially in this particular case where it was wobbling in her hand, I gave her that strategy. Um, and uh, that worked for her. So I was very happy, and she actually did very well uh, in that tournament. So um, good for her. And, uh, yeah. and and so you gave her both a mental and a physical solution. That's right.
So Prem, give us a summary about the service game and about how to cure your own case of the yips. As far as service games go, you know, try and get it in as deep as possible. That's just the key, but obviously getting it in is the most important thing. And in the case when you're struggling in a, in a match setup, when it's just, you know, your strokes are not coming in, it's the beginning of uh, your game. And if that first thing does not go in motion, then it just tightens up every part of your game. I would highly recommend you to, to really, really, um, you know, relax, breathe in and breathe out a few times. And after that, probably... Um, you know, try and serving. And if that doesn't really work, if it is in a physical mo mo moment, one of the recommendations could be having an extra finger if your, your paddle is wobbling while you're striking it. Otherwise, uh, you might have to come to one of my clinics or boot camps where I can probably help you look at your um, struggles. And if someone wants a more personalized assistant with their serve, where will you be next? The next one, I think I'm in August going to be in Vail, Colorado. Um, I think in October, I'll be in uh, Sacramento, California, November in Tucson, um, Arizona. I think those are the next uh, few destinations I will be in a boot camp. Um, and uh, clinics generally tend to happen there also at the same time, uh, or at least during the, the time I'm going to be there in the week where I'm going to be there. So those are places where you could come and join and have some fun and have some personalized attention and uh, get elevate your game to the next level. And here at Richmond for the first time, you're offering an extra day of boot camp. What is that extra day going to be? The extra day of the boot camp um, is uh, addition to all the six sessions we already have in the boot camp. The morning session on the fourth today is uh, is all uh, playtime but it's a playtime which incorporates everything which was learned in the boot camp which allows you to have a little bit more hands-on um, practice on what you already have learned through the four days three days we're in the middle of the richmond boot camp right now and you have the kansas city one in may uh, can you give us a nice success story of one of the participants at the Kansas City Boot Camp? Um, I had a gentleman come from the Kansas City Boot Camp who was from West Virginia, or no, well, from the Lafayette area in Indiana, I'm sorry. Uh, this gentleman uh, had a really, really good skill sets already in place in certain level of play. He was very, he had good hands uh, in and he, but uh, he struggled with positioning, and especially he was struggling with how to deal with players in certain levels where he, he tended to be more aggressive and uh, was losing points. And uh, the dancing with your partner was a, a revelation for him, and that was uh, that helped him to sort of understand more the court positioning and how how to place himself and how to take responsibility for the shots he hits and the shots. He doesn't hit, and um, and and have a very clear vision of his position on the court, and that was a big success story. And just so everyone knows what to expect, what do you get at boot camp, and who is it for? What do you get at boot camp? It, it's a it's a six session. It's actually now seven session boot camp. The first session is all about evaluation. The second session is all about 
drop till you drop so it's all about drop shots the third session which is on the second morning um, is all about being a shark at the net which is all about net play and all about dings and volleys and putaways and all and all the strat strategies around the short game um, and the fourth session is called building consistency it's all about really building a certain consistency in your game and especially dealing with a hardball fusing at you a lot of my players oftentimes uh, come there think trying to say that they have been having issues with bangers coming so hard at them and that uh, session is actually meant for that one and there's a the ball machine which was brought out and you know balls are fusing at them they get a few vouchers at the beginning but then they start getting really 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 good at blocking the ball and knowing how to do a block volley and a punch volley and uh, that's the fourth session the fifth session is all about uh, the third morning is dancing with your partner um, it's a very fun enjoyable uh, it's all about placement and positioning in a, in a partner play in uh, the sixth session is called the um, bring it home baby which is uh, a session which is a very individualized tailored customized to each player and how that is actually going to work for each player and what I want them to take home and then work on and the seventh session is all about putting it in place um, basically all that they've learned through the drills and skills uh, for the three days on the sixth session is to really put it in play in real play and how actually they apply it and how they actually manage strategies around it. Uh, the gentleman that you mentioned that had a revelation, especially when it came to partner play, you have a session called Dancing with Your Partner, but it really helps if you're bringing a partner with you, whether it's your spouse or whether it's your typical partner that you play with normally. Absolutely. It actually makes it much more funner when two people who actually understand the game and who have the passion and driven by the same same desire to improve their game. You know, it's not really about competition. It's about getting to be a better player so that you can both enjoy your time together on a pickleball court. Um, and if you have a partner or a wife or a spouse, it makes it even much more fun uh, to play. Uh, my intention is to give you the best possible um, experience on a pickleball court and if you can take that, that'll be my greatest joy. What type of players uh, typically come to your boot camps? Generally, players who are at least have minimum uh, skill levels, which are when I mean minimum in, the, in terms of knowing the fundamentals and being able to execute some of them uh, in a certain consistency, consistent manner, you know, knowing how to at least get the serves in, get the returns in, drop shot or a drop, uh, third shot drive, at least they have the understanding of it and can play um, to put it in an official status a 3.0 player and over would be a great option it would be a great option people under that skill level might need to actually get some consistency before they can join me on a boot camp and like people under the 3.0 should probably start off with a clinic I would highly recommend them to start off with a clinic, um, get their fundamentals working and get their um, consistencies in. And by the time they come to boot camp, um, they'll be much, much more stronger 
and uh, it'll be easier to ramp them up to the next level. Thanks, Prem. This concludes the first episode of the Pickleball Gurus podcast. Like Prem mentioned earlier, head on over to thepickleballguru.com for pickleball tips and strategies. Sign up for one of the Guru's boot camps or clinics or order his best-selling book, Smart Pickleball. Thanks for listening. Remember, the guru has improved the game of thousands of pickleball players throughout the world, and he can improve your game, too. Thanks, Randy.